Every day, a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward, building wealth faster than most dream possible, almost like they have the Midas touch. On Breakaway Wealth, we'll unlock the secrets to breaking out of the herd, thinking big and building wealth on our own terms. And now let's join our host, the creator of Create Tailwind, and your abundance advocate, Jim Oliver. Welcome back. This is Jim Oliver, and joining me today is my co-host, Nick Costco. Welcome, Nick. Hey, thanks for having me. Looking forward to uh, delivering some good educational content today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, the thing we're going to talk about today, and this is going to be just a short but focused uh, podcast on lessons on life insurance. And you know, it's funny, Nick, because when I started my career, you know, you learn life insurance to pass the life insurance exam, and then you get some professional designations that are all designed inside of the life insurance industry and the the full service financial planning industry and, you know, or fee-based financial planning industry. And it's all kind of industry-based stuff that they want to teach you. And they don't teach you to use it as a bank or things like that, that later we learned from uh, Nelson Nash and, and, his, uh, and his great concept, infinite banking concept. So, but, you know, I learned all of these things the traditional way and then um, even started teaching these cons, uh, the, the, the traditional way to help people get their CFP designation uh, through the College of Financial Planning and their CLU, CHFC designations through the American College. And um, we taught it as we learned it. And, but there's flaws in the way that they teach it because there are so many other opportunities that are out there to use uh, how to use your insurance contract and how to design your insurance contract more importantly. And uh, I just think that uh, this is something that this 10 minute lesson is really eye opening for. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I, I would have loved to have seen this 10 years ago. Uh, frankly, I got got my uh, life insurance license the first time about 10 years ago. And I, I, I just knew what the course taught me we were basically just adding term insurance to people buying home and auto insurance you know a decade ago um, and my exposure to anything other than term was was uh, you know from from the the wonder guy uh, Dave who I come to learn is is teaching some incredibly flawed uh, logic and, and information about it and I loved how when I discovered Nelson, he said, you know, your, your need for finance far outweighs your need for death benefit. And that was really uh, opening the door to a paradigm shift in my thinking and how I was going to, um, to control my money and use this uh, platform to build wealth and, and really change uh, the future of my family's uh, outlook. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, people that don't understand life insurance, like Dave, like Susie Orman, and those financial entertainers, and that's really what they are, audiences, they're entertainers, they are just trying to get you to, um, to listen to their show. And when we look at what banks do, and corporations do, and really wealthy families do with life insurance, 
it really opens our eyes to what the uses of life insurance or what the benefits of using life insurance can be. And it's, and it's, it's massive. So let's, with that, Nick, let's just, uh, let's dive in to a 10 minute lesson on life insurance. And by the way, when you get done with this lesson, you're going to know more about life insurance than 90, 95% of life insurance agents <laughs> without a doubt, <laughs> because they're teaching or they're being taught the wrong things. So we're going to make this really simple and conversational. And Nick, I expect you to interrupt me and, and, um, and ask me to clarify some things as we go along. So just know as this, usual. this is as usual. That's right. And that's <laughs> a good test right there. Uh, and so it's not going to enter. It's not going to throw me off or anything else. I could do this in my sleep because I've explained this so many times. So, uh, but it, we want it to be really casual and conversational. So let's say Nick, that you're going to go buy a life insurance policy with a $500,000 death benefit. Okay. Okay. Well, there's a minimum premium that you could pay and there's a maximum premium. Now yeah. who sets the minimum premium? Mm, I guess the, the, uh, the insurance company. That's right. The insurance company sets the minimum premium. Now they have actuaries that calculate what's the minimum that they can charge and still make a profit. Okay. I mean, they're in business to make a profit. Sure. But the funny thing is, is who sets the maximum premium that you could put into the insurance contract? God, well, the that's the government. That's right. And the fact that the federal government limits how much one can put into a life insurance policy should say, what about it? Well, it must <laughs> be good. Something, More specific something up here. <laughs> there's something up, right? More specifically, it must be good in relationship to one subject, taxes. Right. Because that's the only, I mean, the federal government is a parasite. They live off the host. We are the host. So they are trying to get as much money from us as they can. Okay. <laughs> now, between this minimum and this maximum, there's a corridor. And within that corridor, you have to stay within that corridor. The insurance company won't let you go below it. And the government says policies outside this allowable corridor are determined to be a modified endowment contract or a MEC, which simply means the government will treat the insurance contract like they do qualified plans with all the rules, regulations, and related penalties. And Jim, if I, if I remember correctly, um, there were, before 1988, there were, there were people putting in, as I always like to say, lots of zeros behind the one. You know, yeah. millions of dollars into these tax shelters uh, and Congress stepped in and said, hey, that that's really not life insurance. And it's, a, it's important to understand one principle of insurance, and that is that there's a transfer of risk. So that's right. and, and it's it's not that Congress was trying to close a loophole or anything like that. It was, hey, there's just no transfer of risk before. 1988, when this, these two acts were done, people would put in a dollar into, into a life insurance contract. They'd get a dollar of cash value and there'd be a dollar a death benefit. There's no disparity. And it was really important that this ratio um, was set up. And that's kind of what's going on behind the scenes is so that the insurance company is taking on some risk now. They're going to pay more death benefit than what's paid in. Right. Exactly. Anything to add and to that? No, no, but we'll kind of get into that in just a second, Nick. But, you know, we have to understand if you can visualize 
this minimum line on a piece of paper and this maximum line because there's almost an infinite amount of premiums that can be charged between the minimum and the maximum. And this is going to be more important as we go along with our lesson. So right. we know that, that, that because the actuaries figure out what the least amount of premium that they can still charge and have a profit, but the, the government with this modified endowment contract, this MEC line, they, when they established that the maximum amount of contributions were allow, that were allowable for a given death benefit, you have to understand what happens if you exceed this because there are some concepts out there, Nick, that guys are talking about putting term riders on infinite banking policies and everything else. And, you know, and they, they say that those term riders are, are convertible, but they aren't. They aren't right. convertible for a long time because you'll mech the policy. Yeah, you can convert it. You can, yeah, you can most certainly convert it. There's just consequences that aren't in your favor if you were right. to initiate the conversion. And the 2017 CSO tables, which all companies are using as of 1-1 of 2020, um, it, that actually creates a more of a risk that you can mech the policy. So there's a lot of false information out there that you, know, you don't want to blow up on you 10, 15 years down the road. But yeah. you know, let's go back to what Congress did really here, Nick, is they had DEFRA, which was Deficit Reduction Act of 1984, and TAMRA, Technical and Miscellaneous Revenue Act of 1988. And these two laws basically said that the government can't let people put an unlimited amount of money in a life insurance policy, because if they did, they may not do what the government was encouraging them to do with their money, which is what? <laughs> That put money in their qualified plans. Yeah, other than pay taxes, that's what they want us to do with their money, with our money, right? Right. So lock it up in prison. Right. And so we have to understand just a couple of the things. By the way, qualified plans are 401ks, IRAs, SEPs, 403Bs, things like that. Those are, that, those are just a few of them, okay? We have to understand what qualified plans do. First of all, they defer taxes, okay? But the second thing is they defer the tax calculation or maybe a clearer word is they postpone the tax calculation. Right. So now you have to ask yourself a couple of questions. What tax bracket are you going to be in when you retire? Now, by the way, if, if there's a financial planner out there, Nick, that tells you you're going to be in a lower tax bracket <laughs> when you retire than you are now, fire them. Is that yeah. the goal? To have less money in retirement. First of all, we don't like that word retirement because what's the definition of that of that word? It means to be removed from service. And I, you know, I always like to say my resignation will be in my obituary. Okay, so <laughs> I don't want to be taken out of service. Well, we want to um, continue to live with purpose. We just we we may absolutely. not go punch that clock. Uh, right. May not have to work. You know. 40 hours a week. It may be that I choose to work just 12 hours a week and go fishing the other, the other Absolutely. hours. Absolutely. So, you know, postponing that tax calculation, postpone it to what? I mean, right yeah. now taxes are on sale. The average maximum tax bracket, the average oh, since 1913 to 1919 is like 57 point some percent. And our maximum right now is 37%. So wow. taxes are on sale. I don't want to defer the tax calculation or postpone it because they won't tell me what it's going to be. 
Okay, so let's go back to our life insurance example. But, or let me give you an example of why that's so important, okay, before we go back to that. Let's say you wanted to borrow 10 grand. Okay. Right? So what would you ask before you took the money? You'd want well, to know. How much okay. interest am I going to have to pay? That's right. How about, what else would you want to know? Uh, let's see. Uh, when, you know, when do I have to pay it back? That's right. Okay, so what if I said to you, you asked me for 10 grand, Nick, and I say to you, you know, look, I have enough money right now and don't need any payments from you at this time, but when, but, but there will come a time when I need the money, when I know how much I need, I'll be able to determine how much interest we have, I have to charge you to get the amount I need. Would you cash that check, Nick? I'm not so sure I am. So think about that. The government will determine what your tax liability is 20, 30, 40 years in the future when they know how much money they need. How much money are they going to need, Nick? <laughs> More than we can comprehend right now. More than we can comprehend right now. Exactly. Okay, let's go back to our insurance example, okay? So <laughs> we have this infinite amount of premium between the quarter, the minimum and the maximum. So let's just assume for a minute that I could pay $1,000 for that $500,000 of death benefit that we're going to buy, okay? So... Okay. And, or I could pay 10,000. Which one would you choose? Well, most people would say a thousand. Yeah, exactly. Because less is best when it comes to cost. And if we're looking at it as just a commodity, it makes sense that you would pay the least amount. That's right. So by the way, the minimum is called term insurance and it has one benefit, death benefit. Now this is how you win with term insurance, Nick, is you, Go into your agent's office or electronically sign the application, fund it monthly. Only do monthly because you're, you're going to see that you're only going to have this policy for a very short period of time. The, <laughs> you, you pay the premium, you sign the delivery receipt, and you immediately go out in the middle of the street and get run over by a truck. You win, Nick. Mm -hmm. Now, it's a tough way to win, right? So and I don't even get to enjoy the benefit. You don't, yeah, this is only, there's only one benefit, death benefit. You have to die to get a benefit, okay? Now, by the way, think about this for a second. You're 35 years old and you buy a 30-year term policy from the insurance company, right? So if you qualify, standard, select, preferred, super preferred, what are your chances between 35 and 65, that 30-year period of dying? Uh, less than one percent yeah it's less than one percent of all term policies pay out okay so now at 65 you go to re-up that policy and they say well we really don't want you because we don't know what kind of health you're in so we just do this your premium goes from some low amount to some astronomical amount that nobody would ever pay for term insurance because they right. know something that all actuaries know your chances between 30 and 30 and 65 of dying is low, but your chances over 65 of dying, Nick, are what? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So we don't want you now, right? We've already collected 30 <laughs> years of premiums from you. Thank you very much. You've been a great customer. You didn't die. We would start a term, term insurance company. That's right. If we were going to start an insurance company, exactly. It would be term insurance and we would make a ton of money. All right. So for an insurance company, to expect you to put $10,000 in a policy 
with an initial death benefit that you could get for $1,000, they'd have to come up with some serious benefits. Agreed? Correct. All right, so let's forget about the life insurance lesson for just a minute again. Okay. And let's just talk about benefits. In any vehicle, one would use to accumulate money over time, a major desire would be to maximize the benefits, right? Okay. I mean, obviously, we want to get an acceptable rate of return. That's what everybody focuses on. If you could ma wave a magic wand, what benefits would you want? Okay. okay. Would you want tax-deferred growth? Yeah, I'll take that. Ab Absolutely, because if I don't have tax deferred growth, that growth, then I have lost opportunity cost. I have, you know, so I definitely want that. Would I want to be able to take the money out tax free? That's now you got my yeah. attention. That's right. You'd want a competitive rate of return, like we mentioned. Okay. Now, if I got all of those things, I want to put as much money in there as I can. Can I make large contributions? That's what I'd want. Big vault. Yeah. Don't give me some great thing and then tell me I could put five grand a year in it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thank you very much. I mean, uh, thanks government. Um, how about things like long-term care, terminal illness, critical care, you know, protection from creditors. I'd want all of those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I understand infinite banking, then I know that I want collateral opportunities, meaning I can collateralize this account for a hundred percent of its value. I'd want it to be safe. I'd want there to be no way that I could lose money, right? Yeah. And I'd want that loan, like when I collateralize it, I'd want that loan to be guaranteed that no matter what, I can take money out of this, okay? The other thing is, is that I'd want an unstructured loan payment repayment. I mean, I want to determine how I pay it back and maybe I only want to pay the interest. So I'd want yeah. an interest-only loan um, available. I'd also want liquidity use and control of my money, right? Yep. And, you know, look, if I could get it, I'd want my contributions to be deductible too, Nick. I, <laughs> I kind of say that because, I, uh, because we know that, by the way, life insurance. Oh, and, and by the way, if I was going to get all those benefits, I'd want to maximize all of those benefits. Sure. Okay, so from a qualified plan out of all those benefits that we just said, which ones do you get? Mm. tax deferred right yeah just a couple competitive rate of return potentially and if you get you, to deduct the contributions so but you got to understand the rate of return a lot better than what is generally taught that's right and by the way so i'm going to pay i'm not going to pay tax on the seed but i got to pay it on the harvest right yep, yep. okay so that's there's only problem. one product that gives me the majority of those benefits on the list that is, and it's a specifically designed whole life insurance company from a mutual insurance company designed for infinite banking. And it permanent life insurance contracts through a mutual insurance company offer all of those benefits that we mentioned, except for the, the contributions aren't deductible. They would have to be inside of a qualified plan to be deductible. And we don't want a qualified plan. Sure. So, but, but remember, if you minimally fund that policy, then you get minimum levels of benefits. That's why designing policies like you're going to see, which is hogwash on YouTube, there's some people out there because they're really easy to sell and the client doesn't realize they made a mistake until they're 5, 10, 15 years down the road. 
They only provide a minimum benefit. So as you move from the highest possible premium to the lowest, the value of the benefits decrease. The higher the premium, the higher the level of each benefit received until you reach that MEC line. Now, never pass that MEC line. Up to the line, never passed it. Okay, while because right under it still allows liquidity, use, and control of your money. All right. Yeah. Now hey, that, and, yeah. and that MEC line, yep. just so people know, like if you're in this, doing this, it's hard to MEC the policy. There are safeguards in place. It's not something that you right. need to to stay up at night worrying about like if you're paying a premium, you're paying a loan back, whatever, that you're going to accidentally mech your policy. Cause once it's a mech, you can't undo that. That's why there are yeah. a lot of safeguards in there uh, from the insurance company's perspective as a partner in that. So it's not yeah. something to be afraid of. They're going to say, Hey, are you sure you want to do that? Um, <laughs> Cause if you do it, you're going to mech the policy. Right. So by the way, for IBC infinite banking concept or privatized banking, we designed the premium using a paid up additions rider to get as close as the MEC line as possible without going over, making your banking policy as efficient long-term as possible. Okay. And we don't want to use that term rider because again, that term rider only creates potential problems. Okay. Right to that line, never across it. That's where IBC capitalization works the best. Now, Nick, I don't know if that was 10 minutes or not, by the way, but um, now the audience understands more about life insurance than most life insurance agents. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty impressive, this, this uh, presentation. And, and uh, you know, we've sat and gone through this with people. You know, they, they, we've had, you know, prospects and clients that really want a, a deeper understanding of this. And uh, when you do this visual with the slides that we've got here, uh, it's really impactful. Um, and, and allows people to operate better in the environment, um, you know, that, that we're, we're really trying to show them. Yeah. You know, I think that it's funny because, you know, there, um, again, some of the stuff that we're seeing, we see some brand new infinite banking people that are out there and they're great marketers and they're creating videos and they're creating other things. And they may have like three years experience, five years experience and stuff, but they aren't living it. Every time that I have contacted these people or done a little bit more research, they're not living this like we do at Create Tailwind. And we do this by, we put money in real estate and businesses in peer-to-peer lending and all kinds of different things using our infinite banking concept policies. And what, al- what that allows us to do is know what works, know what doesn't work, what design of the policy works, what doesn't work. And I just think of it, if I had something where I'm leveraging money, do I want a lot of money in that or do I want a little bit of money in that? Yeah. I want as much as I can afford. And um, so Nick, how do you, how do you how, what's the first step of learning how to do that? Well, just go to go to createtailwind.com, schedule a meeting with us. Hey, we can do uh, we do this all the time. I get on the phone and I'll talk with somebody for 10 or 15 minutes. You know, you'll know then, hey, if this is uh, something you want to keep pursuing, um, you can call that your first coaching session or uh, we do a, a, just a webinar where we walk through an overview of uh, infinite banking 
at the end of it. There's no, there's no, uh, no package to, to buy. You're just going to know one of two things. Hey, uh, this is something I want to keep learning or, Hey, uh, cute idea guys. This is, but that's not for me. Um, it's, it's about as low pressure as they come. And, uh, for those of you that just love learning, um, you, you are an ideal uh, person to team with us because we love learning too. We always learn from, from our prospects and clients. So createtailwind.com is uh, where you can find us. I couldn't have said it any better myself, Nick. Good job. And any, uh, any last famous words, Nick, before we wrap this one up? No, as you're doing this, the, the only thing that uh, really popped in my mind is, uh, you know, our, our good friend and uh, mentor Nelson Nash said, hey, if we, if we know what's going on, we'll know what to do. So let's figure out what's going on. Until next time, Nick, thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, go to createtailwind.com. We've got lots of great free stuff on there. And you can set up a free, no obligation coaching session and figure out if this is right for you or not. Thank you very much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Jim Oliver with Nick Costco. Take care. Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your own terms? We'd love to help. Go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation.